Welcome. This is Karen Modakaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet on KDRT 95.7 FM. All right, here is part two. Last time in the last episode, I talked with Karen Walrand. She's a writer, a photographer, an author, and a speaker. She's really a storyteller. And she was a corporate attorney who was getting physically ill by doing her work and living in this practical real world. And she made this leap into being a creative entrepreneur. Our conversation was so thick and rich and she gave such great behind the scenes that we wound up having to split this into two conversations because it was so long. In the first hour of the interview, we talked about the practicalities. How do you go from being a lawyer and engineer at a Fortune 200 company to becoming a creative entrepreneur? I mean, that's just not practical, right? That a lot of times we assume that, oh, maybe she had a trust fund or husband makes a lot of money. And what Karen shared with was that with us was that she was the primary breadwinner. And there were changes that needed to be, take place in order to make this so-called leap. And one of the things that she talked about in that first hour was sometimes leaps really aren't leaps. But really importantly, everything is figure outable. We talked about trusting your intuition and knowing when it's time, right? Really connecting with ourselves. She talked about her passion with law and what she's going to do next. What's one of the things that she wants to continue to build with this creative entrepreneurship path, but also with her skills as an engineer and a lawyer. We talked about the importance of practice and what feminism really means for Karen. So that was in the first interview. If you didn't get a chance to listen to that, I invite you to go back. And in this interview, we're going to talk about the plan versus the reality of what really happened, right? We all have these, and you guys have heard me talk about this or write about it in my newsletter, this idea of the idea, the fantasy, right? Getting rid of the boss or the corporate structure and what is it really like and what happens? What really happens when you make that transition? We're also talk about um, worrying, right? And the perceptions that it sounds like in the first hour of the interview. And then when I asked her a question about worrying and what she's really like, we talked about lifestyle changes and also how do you identify yourself now? What is your new title? Right. When I introduced her, I said she's a photographer, writer, and author and a speaker. You know, how how do you have that one title? It's one thing to say corporate attorney, but what's that one title that she has now? She's a storyteller. With the other things that we talked about was Karen's personal mission statement. And that is something that she can help check in as she makes decisions, as opportunities come up. So there's many more things that we talk about. I'm going to let you jump into the rest of this interview and then I'll come and close it out. So, you know, the other thing that I th- I noticed as you were talking was, you know, with, with these ideas of, you know, the, the deliberate choices you and your husband made from financially, you know, and the pragmatism was it, it wasn't from a, you weren't rooted in this place of worry. You were rooted in this place of um, like love or self-care or wholeheartedness of like, okay. And being wholehearted is about, I think, 
being practical. Here, mm-hmm. Here's the potential for the bad things to happen. I'm not going to sit here and expend a whole bunch of worry energy about it, but I'll take some deliberate actions to, to maybe offset my risk. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the hesitation you're hearing is I am a champion warrior. Like, <laughs> like I am, like, I, I mean, I, I am absolutely a, I, you know, I could worry for America. I could mm-hmm. gold and worry. I am, I am, I am, I could handily take gold and worrying. I am a worrier. Um, but I try to channel that worry into planning, you know, like, uh, there was a really great um, TED talk that uh, Commander Hadfield did, you know, the Canadian astronaut um, that was uh, tweeting. He did have this huge social media thing when he was um, living on the International Space Station. And he did this wonderful uh, TED talk about um, how he was doing a spacewalk, how he was outside of the, the, outside of the space station do, fixing something. And, you know, I mean, basically, if anything happened, like he's out in space. Like if anything happens, he he's gone, right? And something he ended up getting a tear of something in his eyes, so he couldn't see. So he's out in space, right, and can't see. Oh my goodness! And you know he's blinking, and both eyes are just he can't see anything. And basically, he he was fine. Like he wasn't worried about it. And he knew what he could do. He still has communications. He could get talked, you know, through things and, to, and get back to safety. And he said, and the reason I didn't worry about it is because we'd had hundreds of hours practicing for all eventualities back on Earth. And so his training is what helped him through it. It's sort of like the, um, the pilot who landed the plane in the Hudson River, right? Like he talks about how I did what I was trained to do. Like everybody's like, oh, you're a hero. He's like, well... I mean, not that it wasn't scary and not, but I knew I've been trained and trained and trained to do it. And I'm a really big fan of that. So, um, so yeah, I worried and yeah, it felt risky and yeah, I was scared, but I was like, you know what? We did the, we did the homework. We, we knew how we could live. We knew that they were, that certainly our lifestyle was going to have to cut back. Like I wasn't going to get to go shop. If I saw a pair of shoes that I wanted, it wasn't necessarily like I just buy them or, you know, we couldn't go, we love to travel and we knew that our travel was not going to happen anymore. Like that was sort of when we were extravagant, it was actually on airplane tickets is where we were extravagant as opposed to cars. Like we were, neither of us are, we drive old cars and we don't need a lot and we have a small house and stuff like that. And so that was never a thing, but we love to travel and we knew that that was going to change. And, um, you know, there were just certain things I actually, uh, I used to get my hair done all the time and I just let it go. I'm like, you know what? I called it my recession hair. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like, I'm not even going to worry about it anymore. And, you know, we definitely had to cut back on our lifestyle or the way that we, um, that we took, that did that, but it was all very, very pragmatic. And it was all a lot of, a lot of plans. Like what, what, what are we going to have to let go of? And can we live with that? And, and that sort of thing. So, um, so I'm a big, I'm, you know, I think it's okay to worry. I think that the reason that God gave us the, the uh, ability to worry is so that we can take care of ourselves. And so we should use that, like Mm -hmm. use the worry, not to wallow, Mm -hmm. but to prepare Mm -hmm. um, and to be really thoughtful. And again, pragmatic about, well, what are we doing? What can we risk? What can't we risk? And, you know, I, so I don't want, I don't want listeners to think that I, that I'm just carefree and don't worry. I, I trust me. I, and I come by it genetically. My mother is a champion worrier. Like I worry, 
but I'm also a planner and I think it's important to do both. Well, I think the key that you say is that you worry, but then you use that as kind of like a messenger to go, okay, here's the worry and just to sit here and tumble in it isn't going to do anything, right? What are the messages that it's trying to tell me and then how can I help with that? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think think you have to or, or else you'll just be paralyzed. No, and I appreciate your candidness because so often I think the stories, you know, you watch something and you're like, okay, well, they just left and they made this transformation. It was so easy and here I am and I'm freaking out and I'm worrying, but Karen never worried, right? Well, we know Karen worried. (laughs) I'm worrying right now. (laughs) Oh, no, I worry. I am definitely a worrier. My husband would laugh if anybody ever said that I wasn't worried because he doesn't worry. Like my husband is actually sort of very like, oh, it'll all work out. Don't worry about it. Like, it's going to be fine. That's him. I, that is not me. I am a worrier for sure. <laughs> that is my husband too. He's like, it will be okay. <laughs> but how do you, it will be okay. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, thank God for that. Because I, don't, I think if he, if I married somebody who worried like I worry, I don't know that anything would have ever happened. I don't know that my life would have changed at all. Like, you know, it, it's nice that we can balance each other on that. <laughs> so... Well, let's, so let's talk about it. You had a plan when you were going to leave, when you left. And let's talk about the plan and then what really happened. Okay. Um, I did not have much of a plan. (laughs) Like, I mean, I, so I will tell you, okay. I I knew I was leaving. So I had, um, I knew I, 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 we knew we could plan for like, um, money. Right. So I had that in plan, but as far as what I was going to do when I left, it was very, um, it was very nebulous. It was, it was, I knew that I'd had this blog that I'd been blogging for six years, I guess, five years, um, something like that. Uh, and, and that it had already had a, a, a considerable audience and that was without trying to make money at it or anything else like that. That was just me blogging. So I thought, well, I'm going to focus on figuring out how to use that to make a living. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was, that was a plan. I mean, I didn't know how I was going to do it, but that I would thought, let me see what happens if I focus on this. Um, and then one of the things that I did, cause, um, I had recently become, uh, a journaler. I was not, even though I'd been blogging forever, I never kept a diary or journal. Um, and it was because of a friend of mine that I actually had started keeping a journal. And one day I sat down with my journal and I thought, I'm just going to make a list of everything that I love to do. Um, and, and literally everything. So it could be everything from, um, writing contracts, which I actually did love to do. I know that sounds weird, but I love doing that, um, to singing in the shower, to reading to my daughter, to, um, anything. I literally wrote down everything. And then I started looking for patterns. Like what did these things have that, how did they, how are they similar to each other? And it turned out for me that many of the things that I love to do kind of fell into three categories, um, public speaking, uh, writing and photography. Like they sort of all fell into that. Like, you know, reading to my daughter had to do with like doing the voices of characters and stuff like that. So that was sort of was like a public speaking thing. Singing in the shower was sort of like a public expression, like a vocal expression thing. Um, writing contracts was definitely about the writing, you know, so they were, and they all sort of fell into those categories. And so I decided that I was going to, whatever I did um, when I quit my law job is I was going to do those three things. I was going to speak. I was going to write. I was going to shoot. That, that's, those are the things I'm going to do. And I'm going to open myself up to opportunities to do those three things, preferably two of the three things at one time. So 
Um, if somebody invited me to write an article and submit photographs, I would do that. Um, if somebody invited me to speak um, and use my images while I spoke, then I was going to do that. And I kind of really was like, those are the things that I'm going to do. And I'm going to be open to whatever um, that allows me to do. And one of the things that I really struggled with was what my title was going to be. I'm like, what is <laughs> what is my title? Because I've always had a title, right? Like I was in corporate America. I was always, you know, chief, you know, chief of staff or assistant general counsel or general, you know, chief counsel or, you know, you know, assistant, you know, whatever, um, you know, senior attorney or whatever. I always had a had a title. And I really struggled. I'm like, so what's my title? What What is somebody who's, you know, like speak right shooter? Like, well, what is that? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what that is. And so, um, and I really struggled with it. Like I talked with friends and I'm like, what should I put? And people were like, oh, you should put that you're a, you're a, um, a, a image journalist or, you know, like, and they would come up with these like really crazy ideas and that, you know, were like, yeah, I could do that, but then I'm going to end up having to explain what the heck that is because <laughs> it doesn't exist. And and I finally decided, because I'm, I'm like, I need a title so I can put it on my credit card. I mean, my credit card, my, my business card. <laughs> I need to put it on my business card. And I finally decided, and this was very weird for me, was I'm not going to have a title. Like, I'm just not going to do it. I'm not. It's just going to say Karen Walrand on my business card, and here's how to contact me. And um, I have a website, and you'll be able to see it. And I redesigned the website so speaking, writing, and shooting was clear that that's what I did, right? Um, and that's what it's going to be. And I, that was felt very risky for me. And then what ended up happening was like, like somebody would ask me to shoot their wedding and I'm like, well, it's only shooting, but okay. And then I, I turned out, I hated it. I was like, oh my God, I hate the pressure of like, I only have one way to get this shot and it's really not what I want to do. And people were like, well, you know, could you Photoshop out my mole? And I'm like, no, I don't, I'm not Photoshopping out your mole. Your mole is what I love about your face. And, you know, and it was really tough for me. So I'm like, okay, I'm not a wedding photographer. And it was really, it was lovely to have that kind of broad thing to say, I can move around within this and see how it worked. Um, and it, because I was able to do that, I, I wrote the book that I wrote. Um, I do the talks in the way that I do my talks, which I think are different from other people because there's a lot of photography involved in it. And, um, and it, it worked. And to this day, I, you know, I still don't have a title. And when I meet people, they ask me what I do for a living. And sometimes I say photographer, sometimes I say writer, sometimes I say author. So like, I, I kind of pick and choose whatever, whatever feels right for the situation, but I'm not sort of married to it. So, um, so my plan was very loose. It was sort of, um, very weird. Like it, it wasn't sort of, um, I did, I didn't have a, a, a business plan, which I probably should have. I didn't really necessarily have a financial goal. Um, like I need to be making this month in six months, um, or a year. I never did that. Um, but yet it all seems to have worked out. Like if things have sort of fallen into place, um, which is good, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is helpful. So I don't know if I just flew in the face of every other person who's made a leap. Uh, and I saying that in air quotes with you <laughs> that you've interviewed, but, um, well, it was sort of shifting. Yeah, you know, I, it makes me think about uh, Marcy Albaher has been a guest several times on the show. And the very first time that she came on, she has a book that's called Multiple Careers, Multiple Titles. I'm really yep. messing up the name, but she talked about slashers. Yep. And, you know, and yep. I've, I, I totally identified with that because in my old life, when I was at the college, you know, I was, I had the longest title in our district. I was, um, 
what was I? I was the men, no, women's water polo coach, men's and women's or slash men's and women's swim coach and mm-hmm. diving coach slash um, uh, health professor slash PE instructor. I mean, you know, it, it took like a paragraph just to get my title and forget along the, the job responsibilities. Right? right. So, you know, and so and now I have a well, I have a radio show and I, you know, I'm a I'm the host and the producer. I'm a life coach and all that encompasses. And then, you know, I also am the director of this our nonprofit and it's a local swim team in town. And again, so it's like, well, this is just who I am. These it, there's a core though that for me it's about helping people yep. see what's possible for themselves and then achieving that, right? So like I've always been a coach since I was 21 years old and swimming has always been vital because it it changed the direction of my life and water's very soothing for me. Right. And so that was my way to go back and how, how do, how can I help people get out of their way? So that's the same thing with the show. It's like, how can I help you get out of your way? Let me share you some stories, right? That's what I do as a swim coach. Let me share with you some stories. You think that this is hard. Let me share, you know, not that this is hard, but you know what I mean? Yeah, Um, Yeah. And so what, so in these, these realms, what is that core? What is that thread that ties it all together for you? Yep. For me, mm-hmm. for you, for your speaker, writer, photographer. Um, well, one of the th- I mean, and I, I have this actually at the as the tagline for my for my site. It's wildly convinced you're uncommonly beautiful, <sighs> um, and that's sort of my my tagline. And I actually, um, a couple of years after doing this, I wrote myself a mission statement, um, which I probably should share with you, but. Um, Actually, I'm going to share that with you if that's all right. That'd be great. uh, I read it. So thank you. So the mission, so this is sort of my mission, right? And this is what I've kind of decided that that everything I do, I want it to be a, um, I want this mission to sort of guide what I accept, the work that I accept to do and the kind of work that I put out in the world. Um, And it's this, to engage in the relentless pursuit of real uncontrived beauty in every form to illustrate that beauty is everywhere and sometimes especially in the most unlikely places. And so doing to work tirelessly to counter negativity, violence, discrimination, and desperation and join forces with those who celebrate positivity, positivity, peace, kindness, and joy to convince the skeptical of their uncommon beauty and to create tools for helping the weary see the beauty in their own lives to provide hard, irrefutable evidence that there is good in the world and be fiercely dedicated to showing how beautiful the planet really is one image at a time. So that's my mission. And I find that it really sort of helps guide me um, in everything I do. It helps guide me in the kind of stories I tell. Uh, part of some of the things that I do, whenever I, I speak, I talk about sort of what real uncontrived beauty is, both um, not just physically, although I do do talks about um, about sort of body confidence and that kind of thing, but also what it means um, to have a diverse workforce, to have diversity in your workforce. What um, how to how to be able to pull that in so that not because it's just the right thing to do, but because having that kind of diversity of thought and that diversity of experience um, makes your organization better. Um, that. When I write and I shoot, I I try very hard to include stories that um, are about people and places that are very different from my own, and hopefully very different from the from the uh, what my readers see from their lives um, in d- all different ways, and kind of show how beautiful it is. And I I sort of have this um this this sort of I tell people that if if you can get to my website, your <laughs> life is not that hard. <laughs> 
<laughs> like, like not to say that you don't have challenges, that you don't have illness, you don't have loss, but in the grand scheme of things, you are able to get to read um, in a place that has electricity, that has power, probably has clean water, right? Like there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of things that you can do that. And if you just take the moment to see that there's beauty in your life, your life will get better. <sighs> and so that's a lot of what I do. And I do so, one of the things, organizations I work with is the One Campaign, um, who they, they're an organization, an advocacy organization that helps fight um, HIV, AIDS, and malaria, and, and disease, and, and, and poverty, and extreme poverty, uh, particularly in Africa. So I've had the opportunity to, to go to Africa with them and show that there is great beauty in Africa, even as they are fighting malaria and, and tuberculosis and HIV AIDS and stuff like that. There's, there, are real, there are always moments of real beauty in this world. And we do ourselves a disservice if we don't stop and really connect with that in our own lives and with each other. And so that's sort of the mission of everything I do. Everything that I write, everything that I speak, everything that I, I shoot is all in service of that mission. Um, and it's been, it's been wonderful because it's allowed me to kind of, um, it's broad enough that it's allowed me to go, you know what, I'm going to try doing workshops on this, around this. And I'm going to, in-person workshops and e-courses and um, e-books that I, you know, and, and the blog and travel. And like, it, there's all these things that I'm able to do um, as a way to make a living, but it's all in service of this one mission. And that is, the, writing this mission has actually been um, the best way for me to focus what it is that I do. So Karen, would you say, that having that mission is is like your way of creating, and I hate this word, but I'm just going to say it, is mm -hmm. creating a niche for yourself. Um, you know, I, 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 I'm, I, I'm having a hard time answering that because I was talking to a, a friend of mine not too long ago, a wonderful woman named Asha Dornfest. Um, and I, at the time, I was about to redesign my site. I was in the process of redesigning my site, and I was like, you know... I just, I'm trying to figure out what my niche is and, and what it, you know, what's, what is it that I can do, um, about this? Because I don't want it just to be only about the book, the beauty of different. I want it to be bigger than that. And she said to me, she goes, Karen, you are your own niche. And I loved that. <laughs> like I, that was so freeing. It was just like, you just, you know, it was sort of like, you just do your do and you've got it. Like that's your niche. You are your own niche. And so I wouldn't say that the mission has necessarily like I didn't write it to create the niche, mm -hmm. but the mission helped me clarify m sort of my own beautiful different to use my own words, mm -hmm. right? To sort of what it is that that lights me up, that turns me on, that I am going to create. And of course, as a result, because it is all about what lights me up, it's going to be unlike what everybody else does, right? Like for me, I'm like this is what lights me up. This is what my focus is, and. These are the skills that I have, writing, photography, speaking, right, speak, write, shoot, that I'm going to use in service of this mission. And this is how I'm going to do it. And as it happens, um, I'm sure there are other people out there who have very similar missions and have very similar talents, but they do it in their own different way, right? Mm -hmm. They do it in their, their unique way. And they would have their own niche by doing what is intrinsic to them. Um, so I don't know that I wrote the mission necessarily to create the niche, but I wrote the mission to clarify what it is I'm about. Well, um, 
and that helps, right? Yeah, no, I didn't think you wrote it to 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 create like for that outcome. It yeah. sounds like you wrote it, and what happened is that your purpose has come out of that, and that gives you a lot of clarity as you're going down. It's like those are your pillars, right? Absolutely. Your foundational pillars, and then when when opportunities arise or when you think, oh, this is what I want to do, you can come back and go, okay, is like my what I've been saying in our interview is this in line with my values, my strengths, my priorities, right? That those are just my terminology, yeah, but. And, th- and that's where I was kind of thinking maybe that is your niche because that is kind of your theme, yes. right? That different. Like if I think of Karen Walrand, I think of how she brings different in beauty, right? And I'm not yes. saying that very eloquently, but that's kind of like what I would, if I were to go and tell somebody about you, which I'm going to be telling lots of people about you, but, <laughs> um, you. <laughs> you know, that that's what I would say, right? Yeah. And I get, I get chills when you were, when you even talk about that. So um, I, I just, I wonder if that... Um, but, you know, because we we get being online business people in a sense, right? Both mm-hmm. you and I, yep. We get inundated with that, like, what's your niche? And you know, it's something that I continue to struggle with with within my own business. So that's why sure. I ask that. And well, and I think the other thing is, like, for me, what's been really helpful for, especially once you've been doing this for a while, opportunities. Um, and if you and if you focus on it and try to be really good at it, lots of opportunities will come your way, and people will see. Um, Oh, well, she, uh, she's a photographer, so we'll get her to photograph this or whatever. And it's been really, really helpful, one, to, um, to kind of focus what requests come my way by having this, this mission sort of public, because a lot of people will say, oh, Karen is involved with beauty, so we will send her a pitch from a you know, plastic surgeon or something like that, right? <laughs> and, you know, and that happens, or, um, or, or mascara or something like that, which, you know, I mean... I wear makeup, but I don't write about makeup, right? Like, and so, so I can go to them and go, look, this isn't, when you see, I, I know that beauty, the word beauty comes up a lot when you do a search with my name in it, but that's not the kind of beauty I'm talking about. And so I'm able to focus that. Similarly, I might, I, I mean, this has never happened, but like if a mascara company said, we'll pay you a million dollars to write about our mascara, right? Like, you know, to be ridiculous. Having this mission has helped me sort of focus what I can turn down because sometimes the money is, is sort of sexy, right? Like somebody comes to you and they go, we'll love giving you a ton of money for you to do this. And you're like, Oh, I really want to do that. But anytime I've, anytime I've ever done something purely for the money, it's been a disappointment for everybody all around. Right. Cause my heart's not in it. They, they are not as, they didn't get exactly what they wanted. Right. Like it's, it's always a disappointment. So having this mission written and I can go, is my is there a way I can do this where it's in service of the mission that I've set out for myself? And if the answer is no, then I turn it down for sure. Um, and I've never regretted it. I've never gone, oh, I should have done that. Like it has never been able, it's never been something that I've regretted doing it. So that's also been very helpful just to keep me on track on what, I, what I'm about. Karen, when did you write your mission? You know, that's a great question. I, I, I didn't write it at the beginning. It was something... Um, it was something that I came up with. Actually, a friend of mine had done it for herself on her website. And I was like, oh, that's really very smart. Um, and I'm not sure exactly when it was. Maybe three or four. I'm looking at it. I, so I wrote it apparently in 2011. Okay. I wrote a blog post when I wrote it. So it was not that long ago, three years ago, but it's been invaluable. Well, and that's great information too, because right, especially if there's people out there that are listening and they're starting out and they're like, okay, well, I need to do this or, or man, I've been doing this for a while and I haven't done it. And then they beat themselves up, right? That's highly ineffective. But yeah. to, to know that you've been doing this for 10 years and it's in the last three years that you've had this mission. 
Yeah. And I think, um, you know, actually having the experience, you know, I told you earlier that I, I sort of opened myself up to accept opportunities that came my way that allowed me to do the speak writing shooting. And I think after I'd had a body of work of myself doing that, that's when I could go, okay, what's been the most fulfilling for me? Like, what has been the stuff that I really love to do? And it's always been, well, if I was doing something to kind of, you know, prove that there's beauty and there's beauty and diversity. And if there was something that I could say that, you know, anytime I was made to stretch to connect with people who weren't like me, or if there was travel involved, you know, somewhere I could go where I had never been before. And I was learning about a new culture or a new, um, a new people that that's when I felt the most fulfilled. And so it was, it was great to have that sort of a body of work already to look through and go, Oh, this is what I really love. And I can, and therefore, the things that I loved about it, this must be what I want my work to stand for. So that helped. But yeah, it wasn't that it wasn't as long ago as I, I thought. I thought actually it was probably five or six years ago. But but you know, the blog never lies. So it was it was in June of 2011. So almost exactly three years ago. Well, and and that reminds me, a friend, a good friend of mine, Pam Slim. You know, she's been on the show many times, and she talks about testing things out. Right, as an entrepreneur, go and test things out. And instead of thinking, well, it has to be done this way and this is the only way, it's like, as you talk about, you've been creating this body of work and then yep. you start to get clear on like, okay, the idea of being a wedding photographer sounds great and it can be this much money in how many days of work. The reality is, is what the consumer wants and what I think is beautiful can be different, right? Correct. And, 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 and honestly, like the, like the wedding photography, like there's lots of wedding photographers that I think do amazing work. Mm -hmm. But I was talking to a friend of mine who is a wedding photographer and we were talking about Photoshop like and how we use Photoshop differently. Like for me, I have a rule that I never delete pixels, right? So what you see is what you get. If it's there, um, it's going to be in the photograph. If I don't want it in the photograph, then I have to move my body, you know, so that it's out of the frame. Whereas he is a wedding photographer like it's all about creating the fantasy of the amazing day, mm -hmm. right? So if there's a pole in the way and he took a shot, then he has no problem erasing the pole because the final body of work is about the fantasy of that amazing, wonderful day. Like, you know, a fantasy come to life. And I, and I think that's exactly right. But if my mission is uncontrived beauty, then I can't, then no wonder uh, um, photographer, the wedding photographer didn't work for, for uh -huh. me. And if his is helping the fantasy come to life, then of course it's going to, you know, Photoshop <laughs> and the way he uses, I mean, because you're going to have to, like somebody has a scratch on their arm on their wedding day or something like, well, the scratch is so, you know, inconsequential to the fantasy of this amazing, beautiful day. It makes sense for you to take, to take the, the scratch out. Whereas me, mine is more documentary, right? Mine is more, no, no, the beauty exists no matter what. And so I would not do that. And I think that, um, so I, you know, I, I don't want it to make it sound like I, you know, like I, I think, you know, I don't think I, that Photoshop is all bad and stuff like that. I get it. Like I get why some people do it, but I also need to be very, very um, true to my own mission and, and being able to try the, for the, uh, you know, the, the wedding photography back then and go, oh no, this isn't about me. Now in retrospect, I get why, because that's not what my mission is in life, right? Is to do that. Well, and I think throughout our, this entire interview process, that that's been the constant theme, right? It's about, it's not about right or wrong, or this is the only way. It's Correct. about like, for you, you use the word mission. I use the word values, strengths and priorities, right? Yep. But what's, what is aligned with you in the work that you want to do? Yep. And, and so, and that was a perfect example with the wedding photographer versus the work that you do. There's yep. no right or wrong. There's just different. So yep. 
from a consumer standpoint, it's also for them to understand what is it that I want and who can help me get that. Correct. Right. Correct. Correct. And I think, I think also one of the things that I probably learned the most is you, um, you need to be very clear about what it is you do. Um, because people will impute what they want you to do. Like clients will impute, oh, well, you're a great photographer, Karen. So I want you to take, um, you know, my boudoir pictures or something like that. And I'm like, well, but that's not, I don't do that. Like, that's not, not that I couldn't do that. I probably could, but it's not what my work is going to be about. And so I can refer you to people who I know do great photographs like that or do portraits or do that kind of thing. Um, and hopefully that person eventually will be like, well, I want Karen, I want some a photographer to tell the story of what my, of the good that my organization does and what they do to help people. They can say, you know what, Karen's the person that can help you do that. <laughs> or, you know, that's the kind of photography she does. I do boudoir or whatever. Right. So, or that's the kind of writing she does, or that's the kind, you know, that's the kind of public speaking that she does It's you know, they can, you can do that. Um, but you have to be very clear. You have to get clear. And I, and I don't think that you have to necessarily get clear right away, but you have to work toward getting that clarity. So when you said earlier, focus on your work and the opportunities will come. Is that what you're talking Is that part of what you're talking about? Get clear yeah. on what you do. Yes. Get very, very clear on what you do. And, and like, for me, I was like, like literally my thing was uh, the speaking, writing, shooting, I'm going to accept organizations that allow me to do two of those things at once. That was my rule two of those things at once, or sounded like crazy fun. So it might be something that I never even considered before, but I'm like, but that really sounds like an amazingly fun thing to do. So I'm going to do it. And, um, and, and a lot of times that could be something that was unpaid sometimes. Like sometimes people would say, well, we want you to do this, but it's unpaid. Um, but here's where you're, this is what it, the job entails. And I'd be like, yeah, you know what? That's worth it for me. Or I'm going to do it because I might learn something about myself and what I do by doing that. And there's something in it that sounds like fun. It, I've had far more rewarding experiences from unpaid things that sounded like fun than things that didn't sound like fun, but paid crazy well, <laughs> you know, like for sure, for sure. So before we go into our question segment, yep. is, is there any other things that were different, you know, than what you thought maybe like the, what really happened versus not the plan, but you know, yeah. um, you know, there were certain things like I thought, um, I thought I'd be making a lot more money a lot sooner. Um, I think I had some unrealistic expectations about that. Um, and it took, a, it took a few years before I finally got to a point where I was like, Oh yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm making a decent living now. Um, so, and it took a few years and I thought, Oh, in a year I'll be doing that, you know, and <laughs> that was not the case for sure. Um, and then I think, you know, like, I did think that I was going to end up doing some weddings and some stuff like that. And I realized that, no, I'm definitely not like, that's not what I'm about. Um, so yeah. So, I mean, I, I think, but in other ways it's been great. It's been like, I can't imagine going back to law at this point, unless it was, you know, doing sort of what I do for lawyers and service of lawyers. I could definitely see doing that. I would love to do that, but going back, um, and practicing law, negotiating contracts and, doing big deals as much as I loved certain parts of that. I, I hope I don't do that again because, um, I, cause I really love what I do now. Did you think that you would be putting in these crazy hours still? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I think, I think at my, I think at my core, I, I am a workaholic and, um, 
And so it does, that does not surprise me at all. What I do love is that putting in the crazy hours, I still, I love what I do. Like I, like I, it's not a, it's not a, um, it's not a chore. I, one thing that I think, um, that I believed before is when I practiced law, I remember that I would sort of count down to retirement, right? Like it was mm-hmm. sort of like, okay, I'm 40 years old, which means I got 25 more years until retirement <laughs> and I, I'll do whatever I want. Right. And, and, and this is what retirement will look like. Right. And now I can't imagine retiring. Like mm-hmm. I will shoot and write until I can't hold the camera in my hands anymore. Like, like there's no, what retirement, why would I retire? There's, this is, I, this is what I love to do. Um, I cannot imagine, I, you know, as long as I can still hold the camera, as long as I can still, you know, stand up and speak, as long as I can type, there's no way that I'm going to stop doing what I'm doing. And I think that's really interesting because I, w- I always thought that, you know, at 65, 70, there would be an end point. Um, and I, I hope there's no end point, which is very, very weird to me to think of because, you know, I mean, everything is all about retirement, right? And it's not about, it's not about, well, there's not going to be an end point because we won't have the money for it. It's that I just really love this. And I'm going to be really, really upset the day that somebody tells me, Karen, you know, you know what, those, all your pictures are blurry because of, you can't hold the camera steady. You got to put it down. Like, I'm going to be really, really, I'm going to be really, really distraught the day that comes that I have to do it, Um, which is interesting, I think. Well, it sounds like your work, even though it's a lot of hours, is is a way of playing for you. You're right. Oh. You're in that flow. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It is. Me, my life's too short, man. <laughs> it needs to be play. <laughs> well, so my husband, who uh, works a lot, and especially come in the summer, it'll be crazy. He'll be on the pool deck from 530 in the morning until about 8 o'clock at night. And um, and I was saying something to him about, like, look at how much you work and these hours. And he goes, Corinne. He goes, I don't really work as much as these other coaches. I go, what do you mean? Look, there's a fact. Here are the right. hours. And he right. said, no, no, no. I'm either helping people or I'm learning. Wow. Right? Wow. The only time that he considers work is when he's doing, you know, paperwork or admin stuff. Right. But he's helping people and learning. And that's how those those hours, he's, he's in that flow state. When he's on that pool deck with yep. whoever he is, whether they're like little kids who don't, you know, swim very well or his Olympic athlete, doesn't matter, or his collegiate women or whoever it is, right, or his, his junior high school kids, whoever he has, he's just helping people yep. and he's learning. Yeah. And he gets in a slow state. And so, you know, I invite the listeners to really consider that about what helps you get into your flow state. And instead of like us measuring this, you know, like the old corporate America of how many hours am right. I putting in? Right. All right. So let's go to these questions now. Okay. Uh-oh. <laughs> so t- it's been 10 years since you started your blog. Yep. What do you know for sure? Um, I know for sure that I'm a storyteller and that that's never going to stop. And I tell people that I can't imagine ever um, – stopping blogging, even if I don't use it to help me make a living anymore, because at my core, that's what I'm about. Okay. What is the lesson that took you the longest to learn? Um, God, these questions. (laughs) (laughs) Um, probably the lesson that took the longest to learn was that I, it was okay for me to create my own story and not let other people create it for me. Um, that was okay for me to determine what a good life looks like as opposed to what society would tell me a good life is supposed to look like. That's been the hardest, um, but most probably uh, 
rewarding learning that I've had. So with that, that learning of that story, Mm -hmm. how did you do that? (laughs) Um, One day at a time. (laughs) One day at a time. One day just taking the risk of, you know what, I'm going to do this and see what um, the result was. And I will tell you that um, my father, the one who who was engineering is everything um, and anything else is frivolous, uh, the best thing that ever happened was after he read my book and he said to me, I'm so glad you're not an engineer or lawyer anymore. This is what you're meant to do. And that was huge for me. That was really, really huge. Wow. That is powerful. Yeah. It was very big. (laughs) So with the one day at a time, because I do want to hit upon that, right? There are days with doubt and fear. Sure. Right. There are days that a long time ago, Patty Dye and I had a conversation on the show about, you know, this this golden path to success. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're, it's like climbing up this mountain and then you get to the top of the mountain and you look down, you're like, there's that golden path that I was looking for. It would have been so much more efficient. But, yep. she, but she said it's that journey and getting lost and going up and down and getting stuck in dead ends. Right. That's what really gets us to the top of the mountain. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I I think that's right. I think, and honestly, I've always felt like anything, anything that I've ever gotten in my life that was just worth having, that was, that really made me joyous, always required work. Mm -hmm. Everything. Um, everything, like even like dating awful people before I could find my husband or, you know, um, just the excruciating, excruciating uh, journey of adoption before I became a parent. Like, Everything in my life that has been apps that has brought me the most joy has always um, required the most work, required the most um, challenge. And I try to remember that even day to day that, you know what, like if when it's, oh, this is so challenging, I'm like, but do I still want the result? And if the answer is yes, then power through, man. Like it's, it's, it's worth it. All right. So let's finish up now with two takeaways. Okay. So. For your younger self, what would you tell her now? Um, don't be afraid to experiment. Um, that whim that seems silly, don't be afraid to, to try it. The fact that your father said you don't need a fancy camera when you're a teenager, just, you know, <laughs> get that camera earlier if you can. Um, and just don't be afraid to experiment. Um, experimentation is everything. Karen, thank you so much for being a guest today. Oh, it's been a pleasure. It's lovely speaking with you. Thank you. Let me turn this off. So there you go. That's how you go from corporate lawyer to creative entrepreneur. You know, like Patty Dye and I talked about years ago in my interview with her is that there's not just this one straight path. And while we'd like it to look a certain way, it's this journey. And for Karen, one of the things that really sound like it helped with her was having that personal mission statement. So that way, when opportunities arose, she can go back and go, is this in line with me? Right? We talked about that earlier in the interview where she uses the word personal mission statement. I use the word values. And my clients know this because we talk a lot about what are your values? Are they in line with your values? Is this opportunity in line with it or does it violate it? Does this environment, is it in line with your values or does it violate it? And that's the same thing with friendships. Right. So when you get really clear about what's really important to you, whether what's your purpose, what are your values, it's easier to 
let go of the state of overwhelm that can so easily happen in our busy, busy lives, right? Knowing your values, knowing your priorities and knowing your strengths. So those are the terms that I use. Karen's a bit different in her terms, mission statement, right? What are the skill sets that she has? But we're both really talking about the same thing. So don't let the terminology stop you, right? If either of our terminologies doesn't work, I really invite you to consider, you know, what is important to you? What is the key theme that keeps coming up in your life, right? And this is something that I've even noticed. And years ago when I interviewed Simon Sinek, those of you may remember, uh, he turned the interview table to me, which I wasn't too happy about. And it was live radio. So I was just here I went and he started uh, asking me questions and he brought me back to my earliest childhood memory and so on and so forth. And he said, you know, basically your why is to help people be who they really are without a care in the world, right? When I was that kindergarten girl and not worried about any social stigmas about being half of Asian or singing Korean out on the playground in this little bunny song that I just liked because I just liked it. And I wasn't worried about what other people think. And that is one of my core messages is how can we let go of being an approval whore and really stand and be rooted on our essential self and the essence of who we are to be our best self to go out there and serve without asking for permission. So what are the themes that keep coming up in your life? And look at that. And what are the things that are so important to you, right? And as you know, as you listen to the show, it's about pulling back that curtain about what we think is out there and what really goes on. And Karen just did a great job of just being authentic and showing up and really sharing with us, you know, her past, what she's currently doing and her future plans. She opened up and she shared with us what it's really like. So often I think we get into that fairy tale. It's kind of that Cinderella story of entrepreneurship. Oh, I leapt. I left this job and now I became, you know, I'm Sarah Blakely of Spanx and look at all the billions of dollars that I have, right? When there's some other realities that go along and even for Sarah Blakely, there's other realities that go along, but we need to remember that because as we're going through our struggles, we can often discount it and say, oh, see, I'm on the wrong path or this isn't right, or I should have stayed where it was safe, but I was sick. So understanding that we all have struggles. One of my favorite quotes from Karen today in the interview was when she said, everything that has brought her the most joy has always required the most work and challenge. And that's something I love, but I'm also really cautious of too, because I have this tenacity to really love the struggle and to really embrace the struggle and to make my worthiness surrounded around that struggle. And so one of the things that I'm playing with and practicing is, I wonder, can I do great work and have it be play? Can I do great work and have some struggle, but do I need to add to the struggle, right? Because sometimes my worthiness can get timed up into how much time do I spend preparing for this interview because that's the struggle and that will deem my worthiness, right? That that doesn't serve anybody and that takes away from other aspects of my life. So I agree with Karen when she talks about everything that has brought her the most joy has always required the most work and challenge. Just don't add to it. We don't need to add more to that. Let it be because there is going to be struggle. There is challenge. We just don't need to make it to extend it. It makes me think about my uh, friend and mentor, Martha Beck, 
she has a saying about clean pain versus dirty pain, right? Clean pain is the pain of, you know, a loss of something or just a, when you're sad about something or there's pain about something. Dirty pain is all that extra stuff that you make it mean, right? So if you go through and you lose a family member and it could be, oh, I didn't get to say goodbye and I'm such a horrible person or the last time we spoke, it was not so great, right? Adding all that instead of just dealing with the grief of the loss, and, and having that pain and not escalating it. So a great image could be, you know, pain is, is pain. But then when we go into dirty pain, it's kind of like we're carrying that trash can of pain around and we keep going around and picking up more trash to add to it. So when you think about this idea of everything that has brought me the most joys always required the most work and challenge. The great things when Daniel Coyle and I've talked about this, how is talent created? It's when we're going through those challenging moments and we're trying to figure out how to learn something, right? Or we're trying to master something. There's a challenge in there. We don't need to make it extra hard. And I I really don't believe that's what Karen's saying. It's getting into that flow state where there's enough challenge, where it's exciting and it's, it's challenging and we're totally focused and we're in that flow state. But we don't need to make it where we're, we're doing things just because we're making it hard so that we can justify that, hey, this will bring me the most joy. So really, I invite you to pay attention to that. Sometimes we take a concept and we push it into excess. Um, And the other part that I love that she talked about was don't be afraid to experiment. And this is something even for myself that I'm working on, right? So much of my life was about saving face and that goes into my family of origin and, you know, the background that I grew up in of like, oh, you know, you don't want to have shame. You don't want to be embarrassed because, you know, you're just a dummy and you made a mistake. You have to be perfect. I mean, that was kind of the message I had. You have to be perfect, but to experiment and that takes courage and that makes you vulnerable, right? But maybe you do it in small steps. What are small things that you can do to experiment that have lower risk to you? whatever that may be, but experiment, test things out. And you can do that with foods. You can do that with friends. So like maybe there's somebody you're interested in, you know, getting to know more, go do have a cup of coffee, right? Test it out, be open to it. Experimenting is so, so important. I talk a lot about this on the show and I talk about it with my clients in, in experiment, test something out, give it enough time though, right? Recently I was gone, went through a situation and I was like, hmm, I'm still not quite sure about this. I said, you know, that's okay. I'm going to be open. I know that, you know, I can be resistant to new things. So I'm going to test this out some more and see if this is in line with um, what I want to create in this sector. And I don't want to go into it too much because, um, you know, just that's not ready to share that yet. So um, experimenting and channeling those doubts and fears and uncertainties into moving forward, like acknowledging that they're there and then invite them along. One of the things I tell my little swimmers all the time, because they're of that age in junior high where they're actually starting to feel some pain and they're like, I'm not quite sure about this, you know, and we're, and we're working hard. And so I, I want them to learn about pain, physical discomfort. That's a healthy pain, not one that's going to create injuries or create long-term problems, but one that, Hey, this is your muscles are getting stronger, right? So one of the things that I say to them, I say, you know, say hello, old friend to the pain and invite that pain to come and swim along with you. We're going to have doubt, fear, and uncertainty. And it's not about it not being there, waiting until it goes away. It's about noticing, acknowledging that it's there, and then inviting it to come along. 
but not letting it hold you back, right? So some of the questions that I thought about as I was doing this interview that you can ask yourself are, you know, as you're trying to figure out what is your mission statement, what's next for you, what do you want to do, right? Because, oh yeah, what are you passionate about? That's real. But what are things that light you up? Let go of the pragmatic realities, right? Of I must do this so I can make this kind of money. What are the things that you like to do? For instance, I like to talk, right? And if you had asked me 15 years ago, how how can you make money doing that? I had no idea. But I like to talk. I love to connect with people. Those are things I love asking questions, right? That is what I do every single day. I love to learn. What are the things that light you up? What are the things that turn you on? What, what do you get excited about? What can you just do all day long and be in that flow state, right? What is that? Just write them down. You don't have to figure out a purpose. Look what Karen did. She's like, she wrote things down. She's like, I like to speak. I like to write. I like to pick pictures. How do those three things correlate, right? And then she also has that uniqueness where she likes to see different and how she be- sees beautiful is through her eyes and through her lens and she- how she tries to share it with the world, right? What turns you on? What are the skills you have? I grew up in a very fixed mindset world and it was rooted in a lot of fear and it wasn't, there wasn't bad, I'm not blaming. It was just on a survival instinct, right? So as I've learned about growth mindset from Carol Dweck and I really practiced it, you know, one of the things that I started to realize even in college was that after I won my national title was that, wow, I made it a lot harder than it had to be. And that's why I started coaching kids because I was like, gosh, if I can just show them that it doesn't have to be this hard and we have to work hard, but it doesn't have to be this long path that I took, right? I, I was so good. I was the queen of getting in my way. And that's what I mean early, meant earlier about, you know, Karen's quote about anything that came that brought her the most joy was challenging and was hard work. It's all going to be, it's still going to be hard work, but we don't have to make it the agony. Sometimes we, sometimes it naturally is. But that's why I got into coaching 20 some years ago because I wanted kids to see, look, how can we develop these skill sets? How can we get fast, you know, and work hard? But use our energy and channel in a way that's going to be the most productive. And that's what I continue to do for people is how can I help you see what's possible for you? And if this is possible for you, or if this is possible for guests, what is possible for you? And sometimes it can be glamorous to see like the big stars, right? And go, wow. But sometimes it's easier if you find somebody that's just a little bit further ahead than you, because you're kind of going, hmm, if they can do it, then why can I do it? Right? If it's possible for them, then why not me? And that's why teams are so great or listening to shows like this or finding books to read that are inspirational with stories that you can believe. And sometimes it's great to have something that's really on the other end of the continuum. And then sometimes it's great to have stuff that are just a little bit in front of you, footsteps ahead of you. So what are things that light you up? What are skill sets? Uh, what are the skills that you have? You know, writing them down. One of the things that I think I do a great job of is, is really taking in a lot of different information and then being able to condense it so that people can understand, you know, that was something that I didn't know how I could earn a living from, but I've been a teacher. I was a teacher and I had the title and I didn't even really realize it. But so understanding what are the skill sets you have? What is your mission or what are your values, right? Whichever word lights you up. 
What are things that are really, really important to you? And sometimes one of the ways to find out what's important to you is to find out when you get really, really mad about something, because that is usually an indicator that your value has been violated. And then, so then when you know your values and you know your skill sets, right, or your strengths, then you can go, okay, how can I use my strengths to serve my mission or my values or my purpose? And how does that come together? And start small and then experiment. So that's really the process. Is it scary? Absolutely. Right? Because now what's happening is that you are willing to step in and and be rooted to the essence of yourself. You're willing to go, hey, this is me. And I'm going to put out something that I really, really desire or what I think I desire out there. But remember, I just invite you to remember that whether this continues on or it fails or you succeed, it's no determination of your worthiness. Because as Brene Brown has taught us is that there are no prerequisites to worthiness. You are worthy as you are. And then the rest of the stuff is an experiment. It's about, you know, showing up, being your best self and being the person that you want to be so that you can get into flow and use your energy and touch the lives that you touch. And maybe that's, you know, being the best mom in the world or, or loving your kids. I'm not about the number one mom or any of that, but loving your kids or providing that space to, for, to have people flourish. Or maybe it's saying hello to that person who opens the door. But whatever it is, getting into that energetic space that helps you thrive and really flourish in your life. All right, this is it for today. I really would love to hear how you guys, what you guys think about these segments where I open or close the show out, whether you want me to keep the guest on for the full time or that there's some insight in here that's valuable to you as well. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for listening to How She Really Does It. I invite you to subscribe to my weekly newsletter at howshereallydoesit.com. I do this show each week for you so you can now see the windows of possibilities in your own life. I believe there are many journeys for us to take. We can learn from others to see what is possible for ourselves. I believe there are possibilities for all of us, not just the ones who've acquired great success, but including those of us who have stumbled, lost our way, or only saw closed doors. With this show, maybe you can now see a glimmer coming through the windows. I call that the windows of possibility. Each week, I bring a guest who represents those possibilities. They too have had their own struggles and uncertainty, yet somehow they have found their way. My guests are an example of what is possible when you continue, when you learn, leap, fall down, and get back up. I invite you into this space so you can ask yourself, if that is possible for them, what is possible for me? Really ask yourself that. I would love to connect with you. Please join me at www.howshereallydoesit.com. And thanks for listening today. On a lake, she is dreaming, she is drifting, never been so wide awake.